Come on, come all, come gather round. Come hear tales both lost and found. Grab yourself a drink with a splash of lime. It's David and Michael's story time. Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of Storytime! With me, as usual and or always, is the one and only Michael Santel. And the one that looks like a squiggly squid living his life in a squid <laughs> ocean, well that's David Miller. I was wiggling around during my intro, I was wiggling around. David, my yeah. hormones are ready to peak. I am a <laughs> seventh grade boy. Tell me about our children. Last time was... Last, last time, time was, was a big one. Last time was Visser. It was a special episode of Law & Order SVU Court Trial. It was trial. like a solid almost two hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was they, a long they, one. They used a secret technology. We had a cry moment. It was a very emotional episode. It was the story of the yerk that took over Marco's mom and all the events leading up to it. Yep. And we found out where uh, they are at now, which is some other planet system to like try to draw the Andalites there instead of Earth. Now, in anime, after a huge arc where mm -hmm. something happens, that's when we get the filler episode. Sure. That's when Goku teaches Piccolo how to drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And are the children learning to drive today? No, oh, but okay. I will say, this book is going to be, this is book number 36, The Mutation, mm -hmm. and it is, go it is going to feel a little bit like a reset in that. Uh, it is like, this is a textbook Animorphs adventure. Um, it does get weird, but, you know, Animorphs gets weird. But this feels like, like, you remember that one where they, like, deal with the tiny aliens? The, in like yes. the toy spaceship that are like they're super egotistical and their captain is actually dead so that he can't make mistakes and all that weird, weird, weird shit. It kind of feels like on that level of stakes versus fun versus weird. It's not tiny to tears. say that the tiny people are bad because that's not what this is about. But like, yeah, uh, yeah. And those tiny, those tiny aliens—they were called the Helmicrons, just so you know. Yeah, and I, I kept, you kept thinking about them as like Transformers uh, yeah, villains. Yeah, and, and I didn't say it in the Visser book, but in the Visser book, she makes a jab at Visser Three's expense, uh, where he basically is like, she, she's like, oh, you sound like the Helmicrons or something something like that and it makes the whole council laugh uh, but I it wasn't important enough I didn't put it in the notes but I, I think I it. actually did start a portion of reading in that episode where I followed right afterwards like the viscer ignored the laughter and then he said the important thing he says and like so that you know just so there, there's some behind the, the scenes for you yeah I love that the Helmicron the Helmicrons Helmicrons Helmicrons, yeah. Helmicrons. I love that they're a joke even to the other aliens. Oh, yeah, because they're, like, so small, but they're, like, the most egotistical aliens in the universe. The mutation is going to refer... Well, I'll show you the, the cover if you want to even... Ooh, it's a Free Willy book! Yeah, and then in here there's, like, a... Yeah, I can hear the Michael Jackson music now. Just perfect. That movie's not a good movie. I rewatched it a few years ago. And it's yeah, a it's... sad movie. <laughs> the, the kids, in the, he's a foster kid. Mm -hmm. I, I, someone's got to keep eyes on this kid. He is falling to a life on the beaches. I'll he's tell become you though, a beach the, the actress who plays the um, the trainer, the like short haired lady trainer. Yes, man, what an awakening for me as a child. 
I, I know. <laughs> Not that. even. Oh, she wasn't like overly sexualized or anything, like at sure. all. Like, uh, but like, man, I, I, I was like eight, seven, however old I was when I first saw, maybe younger than that, and I was just like, huh. I need to know. I huh. need to know who that lady is right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we should shout out their actual name and not uh, just say that lady from. Free oh, Willy. you're talking about Tank Girl. You're talking about a league of our own. You're talking about Lori Petty. Sure. Yeah. She was. Uh, we used to watch her all the time in the army. Now she's. Uh, she plays the little sister in a league of her own. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Yeah. Had a, I had a big crush as a child. She was a hot young commodity in the 90s. <laughs> I also love that that movie has uh, Tarantino's own Michael Mann. Like, every scene would be... I would love to see that movie He's again. He's like the foster him, dad, right? Yeah, with him smoking yeah. in every scene, but he doesn't get to smoke on screen in that movie. Mm-hmm. But... Ta- uh, but Oh my goodness, I called you the wrong podcast host. I apologize. You, you, but I can't believe it. David, I gotta record <laughs> with him fucking later. I gotta do all my recordings this week before sure. I go to Costa Rica. Yeah. So I can tell you about the stories of the different iguanas I'm going to see. <laughs> uh, David, today on Book 36, The Mutation, I believe... Now, I already am spoiled that I know that we're gonna have a new morph. Mm-hmm. So, based on the context clues... The kids go on now, a vacation. Actually, now there, there's a small technicality: is we've had somebody morph an orca before. Do you remember who it was? No, it's someone who doesn't have the hammerhead, right? It was David. David, that piece of shit. Okay, okay, good to know. Okay, you showed me orcas on it with a secret cave under the ocean. Mm-hmm. I feel like if the kids are going to see orcas, they're going to. Waterworld, Shamu Town. They're going to Sea Shanty. And I, and I will tell you whose book it is in case you want to throw some thematic uh, predictions our way. I do. This is a Jake book. Jake book. Prince Jake. Prince Jake. Okay, Prince Jake is going to be doing lots of princey things. He's going to be thinking about <laughs> lots of traumatic events while they're making some... Well, they have to save the Waterworld show because the orcas are not happy. Uh... What else is going to happen in our mutation? It I, has been a long time since you've guessed, like, eco-warrior. They it, Things know. have gotten so heavy with the war that they have, like, had no time to be like, let's, okay. let's help the parrots in the restaurant. You Here's know, my prediction. At, uh, all Andalites at a certain age go through a change in their body where things get weird. A mate, mutation, if you will. Uh-huh. And... It's during that time. It's not dangerous, but it can be because sometimes, like wild morphs, will come out of you. Okay. So they have to get him under the ocean to a secret cave where he can do all of the mutations in secret, but then save him before the bad guys find out because they want to get the secret juice inside of his head, just like you drink the juice out of the whales in Avatar Two. I didn't see Avatar 2. Oh, they drink the special juice inside of the <laughs> whale's heads, and then you don't age anymore. Do they anymore. have to kill the whale for it? Oh, it's so wasteful. They kill this beautiful, majestic creature, and then literally just drink, like, just like, take like a... Like a thimble's l- worth of liquid? Yeah. So little amount of liquid. And they say the whales are... Like, oh, these are the smartest things on this planet. They they <laughs> and they have deep pod groups, and this dude comes in and just, like, starts harpooning them. It's really terrible. Great. Yeah, love it. Uh, you should wait for the four-hour cut of Avatar 2. <laughs> that will be Don't waste my time Disney with the three-and-a-half-hour bullshit. Yeah, yeah. It's very Aliens 2. 
Like I'm gonna let you know, James okay, Cameron. Well, I have to. I have to t- t- take another nitpick right here. It's just aliens. The se- it's Alien is the first movie, and then Aliens plural is the sequel. Yeah, There's but no I w- Aliens two. That's yeah, it's, not- a- it's Aliens two. It's the no, Terminator it's just, two. It's just Ali- okay, Terminator two has a two in it, but Aliens is just Alien, and then it's Alien. Three, and then well, Alien technically, I said it was like Avatar, so when I said Aliens 2-2, grammatically what I said was correct in that regard, no. even though that's not how I said no. it. No. <laughs> All right. So, f- any final predictions? Oh, yeah. Uh, Tassie's going to have to use the bathroom a lot. She's going to be like, I got to find a bathroom. They're like, you always go to the bathroom. That's okay. my, that's my sure. last prediction. That's not something we've ever seen her have to do, but you know what? Well, Maybe. we'll see. There's always that one friend who has to pee all the time. Yeah. You're Uh, not that friend. Sometimes, but not usually, no. Yeah, you usually have a good bladder control. I have a good... I have have good potty training. Yeah, yeah, you're potty trained. (laughs) Thanks, Mr. and Mrs. Miller. Yeah, thank you. All righty. So we begin... Uh, the Mutation, book 36. Uh, Jake. This sorry, is one ahead. of those, this is one of those shadow authors, right? Like, we're not going to talk about any of the other stuff that happened. Oh, yeah. In the beginning, um, the author wishes to thank Erica Bobone for her help in preparing this manuscript. Uh, thank you, Miss Bobone, for all the coffee trips and uh, hamburger getting that you did. <laughs> I like, well, I think that that might be the ghostwriter, right? Oh. When that happens, when they're like, hey, thanks to this person for helping me prepare this manuscript. I like to think that that's like... It was scripted and plotted by K.A. Applegate, but maybe, like, the final draft was written by Erica Babone, or vice versa. I don't know. Or K.A. Applegate was always screaming at them to get the coffee and stuff, and then she fell asleep because the coffee wasn't there, and then yeah. Mr. Babone went in there and yeah, finished very, the Yeah, very, it's very Devil Wears Prada, right? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I say that, and I haven't seen that movie. Um, oh, just like Emily Blunt in that movie. You're so <laughs> Emily Blunt. <laughs> I'll take being compared to Emily Blunt. That's fine. Uh, uh, you are the Emily Blunt of our friend group, for sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that, too. That's I'll take it. Um, all right. Uh, so. I'm the Amy Adams. I was trying to think about who you were. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, 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 I think I'm is, I, is Would be Michael Mann? Is he our Michael Mann? <laughs> no, no. He is our, uh, he's our uh, Anne Hathaway, I believe. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Funny enough, there's no translation for Kurt. He's in, in Lady World. He's, <laughs> he's just, just an amorphous just blob. Kurt. Yeah. Uh, all right. To the book. Oh, uh, did I tell you that my mom's favorite episode is when we just roasted Kurt? You did. You said yeah. It okay. On, Kurt's got to come back so we can roast him some yeah. more. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, Michael. Blue Skidoo. We, we can, can too. There we go, David. <laughs> so Jake is awoken at 3 a.m. Hell yeah! Get woke, Jake. By the uh, phone ringing. And this is the 90s, so it's the phone in the house. The house phone. The downstairs not, not phone. his phone. Yeah, yeah the like, special uh, phone. The phone. Um, uh, and he wakes up at 3 to the phone ringing, and he thinks to himself, well, this is never good. Right? Uh, yeah, you're you're a kid in an intergalactic war. There's no reason this phone e- call is going to be Even if you weren't, like, a 3 a.m. phone call is very rarely like, hey, I have the best news. Sure, right? sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he answers it quickly, in time, hopefully so that it doesn't wake the rest of the family or someone else doesn't also pick up the receiver to hear what conversation happens. Because mom and dad um, have a phone in their room, too. Right, yeah. 
Uh, but it's all the same phone line. What right, a, right. What a crazy listen. time we lived in. You could listen uh, to the other person's phone Only privileged call. kid had their own line, right? I didn't know those kids. So those kids are foreigners to me. Uh, so it's Cassie on the other line. Um, and they do speak in code. He's like, what's up? And she's like, oh, I just can't sleep, you know. And he's like, oh, well, did you try counting sleep? I bet if you, by the time you get to 30, it'll be fine. And she's like, oh, good idea. I'll try that. Bye. Hang up. Click, click. So now they know we're meeting in 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, right? Like, stuff like that. Um, so he sneaks out. He morphs to his falcon. He flies to the barn. He demorphs outside, and he hears voices inside. It's Cassie and some hork voices. So he, he goes into the barn, and he sees Cassie, Toby, the, like, smart genius child hork the The golden child. Mm-hmm. And Jara Hami is also there, one of the, like, main hork that we know, uh, who's also Toby's father. Um, and, and then on the operating table that, like, Cassie's dad would, like, operate on a wild animal on, um, there's another hork laid out and, like, very labored, shallow breathing. Um, oh, he's pregnant. No, no, he's not. But you said he's in labor breathing. God damn it. Labored, as in it's difficult to do. Oh, got it. Um, Toby tells them that Visser 3 is trying to make fish people. What? Um, because Jake looks and sees the hork on the table has, like, gills and, mm. like, webbed hands and feet. Uh, this and uh, this one hork and 49 others were part of an experiment. Visser 3 is trying to find, again, the Pemalite ship. After having been foiled last time by the Animorphs and the first appearance of the Drode, if you remember. Yeah. Um, uh, and so they have since moved the Pemalite ship. The Chi have moved the Pemalite ship. And so Visser 3 is looking for it. Um, so he's trying to make amphibious hork He failed, and he fed them all to taxons, except this one was rescued by, like, the free hork resistance movement. Um, is it horribly deformed, like, one, it's of, like the, they one of the creatures from Island of Dr. Monroe? Yeah, and, like, they just, like, they grafted gills and webbing onto these hork um, And, like, uh, it, this hork name is Han Tunad. Uh, and before he, like started dying, he told the hork and Toby that um, the Yurks have developed a seagoing ship called the Sea Blade. It's so dumb. What do you mean you need a... If a ship can go into space, it can go underwater. It's airtight. No, no, because it's about water pressure at that point. Oh, if you want to go deep. They're, they need it to explore deep to try and find this Pemalite ship, so it needs to be because able to there's no pressure pressure in space right right there's nothing crushing down on the ship so you wouldn't build a spaceship to be able to withstand crushing pressure okay heard okay yeah um so uh jake tries to help in like saving this hork bajir cassie's like working frantically to try to help but she's like despairing because it's it's just there's nothing to do like jake puts like an oxygen mask over his face and she's like that doesn't help like he's it's only prolonging this pain there's like some valve in his throat that is like not working right and cassie can't she's tried already she's tried all these things um uh and he he dies drowning in air and gasping for breath and it's sad and gross so just so everybody knows because we're talking about it 
flippantly. The children just watched a person drown to death in front and, of them. And struggled futilely to try and And nobody help. could do anything. Yep. They just okay. watched him die. Yeah. And it's 3 in the morning, 3.30 in the morning. And now, and I, I wrote this in all caps, then it's morning. We gotta go to school. <laughs> <laughs> because that's oh. just these kids' life, right? Like, Yeah. They gotta go back to talking about TRL and normal stuff. <laughs> Learning the quadratic formula. No, oh, they gotta uh, do a rhythm, a rhythm twist. Uh, so they uh, have a meeting at the barn after school, um, and they're trying to figure out what they know about this whole situation, which is very little. So they have to kind of project. Um, presumably, the ship can cloak from like human ships and radar and stuff. So they're like, would echolocation even help then? And they're like, maybe, but that's our best tool we have to try and find it. Um, the Chi, they're like, why don't the Chi just move the ship? And they're like, well, they could, but they're going to keep looking for it. So that'd be just a game of cat and mouse that eventually they'll find it. And if it's on the move, there's more danger of it being discovered, right? A game of catfish and mousefish, if you will. If you will. Um, so, they're like, alright, well, so then we gotta do something about this, then. Uh, the Pemolite ship is deep, but not so deep that they would need to use, like, squid, necessarily. Um, uh, but it is also, uh, in a Navy firing range that has many unexploded ordinances and explosives. Where is this? Where is this place with this World War II minefield attached to it? Ask the Navy. Uh, they won't say it. They never tell anything. They won't <laughs> even tell us what happened to the Nibbets carrier. Yeah. Uh, and so they're trying to decide, like, well, is it worth it? Do we do it? What do we do? And Cassie's like, we have to do it. We have to sink this ship. We have to teach these jerks a lesson. Like, she's pissed. And Jake kind of notes, he's like, wow, like, it's very rare you see Cassie with this kind of, like, vengeance, violence attitude, right? She lost another one on her father's operating table. Yeah, this yeah. will not stand. Yeah. So they're like, okay, well then, as far as morphs go, like, whales should do fine. But only two of us have sperm whale morphs. Everyone else just has, like, sharks and dolphins. So Cassie's like, oh, at the gardens, there's an orca show. There's an orca there. His name is Swoosh. Bush Garden Swoosh, the number one whale. And Marco's like, who named the whale Swoosh? And Cassie shakes her head. She's like, Nike. Yeah, Nike sponsors the habitat, so they got to name Swoosh the whale. I don't mind the the stuff on the side of the arena. I just thought it was gross when they branded the whale with a swoosh. That was a little, <laughs> that was a little too much. It already looks like a swoosh. You don't. It have already to looks it. like it. Oh, they should have. You know, when the animals live, when the orcas live there, they get all depressed. What if it's yeah. like a uh, fin just looks like the Nike swoosh? That would also yeah. have been good. They should design a shoe to look like an orca in conjunction. Uh, I, my Adidas look like an orca already, yeah, but I mean, that, I guess. So they wouldn't have to work that hard to design sure. it. Sure. Um, so that's all we get of that, though. There is no fun scene where we go to the bush gardens and interact with the whale. They just acquire it, and now we flash forward to a couple days later. Uh, understood. Even though that's the adventure I wanted, I'm I sad know. we don't get it. You, you were predicting, like, we're going to SeaWorld. And I was like, well, technically, but we're not going to see it. That <laughs> means there's an opening for us to ride it. Let's keep going. <laughs> So a couple days later, Marco and Jake are flying recon, you know, bird morph in the sky, watching around for anything suspicious. Basically, they're like, now we're on standby, watching and waiting for when the Yurks take this ship and go to the ocean. This right? is a lot like the hunt for Red October, David. Mm. 
Uh, that is referenced in this book because Marco knows things about like sonar and active sonar and stuff like that. And Rachel's like, are you just guessing? Like, how do you know that stuff? And he's like, Tom Clancy. <laughs> and she's like, Tom Clancy. And then Jake chimes in and nods. He's like, yeah, Hunt for Red October, obviously. Like, <laughs> Clearly his father allows him to watch rated R movies. That's Man, the house when I go. was like When I was like a young like tween and teen, my dad loved to show me like clear and present danger, Patriot Games, The Fugitive. Right, like shit like that. Your dad showed you movies that absolutely justify the military industrial complex. I'm not here to unwind that for you, yeah, but no. I'm gonna let you know that does damage to one's brain. Well, and the things that I was allowed and not allowed to see as a kid, like I remember as a teenager, a friend came over, me, him, and my dad started watching Kill Bill Volume One. Sure, we got like five to ten minutes in. And then the door opened and my mom was home. And my I've never seen my dad reach for the remote so quickly and turn it off. <laughs> then when now mom was home. <laughs> you saw the Vivica you saw the Vivica Fox scene and your dad was like, okay. And then you no, saw the po- it was like just the just the hospital well, just the hospital stuff, like in the beginning. You right, but that? doesn't it do that and then it does the pussy wagon stuff? Like it right, you see the opening fight oh, yeah, scene yeah, yeah. and then she does, yeah, yeah. yeah. As soon as that guy said, I'm Buck, I'm here to fuck, he's like, Okay, turn this off. <laughs> it was no, it was literally it was like when the door opened it was very funny to me because i isn't it funny that that was not okay but like watching like cannonballs rip people's legs off your father was like saving this is saving private ryan and braveheart were like family favorites david you really need to watch what these germans (laughs) did to these soldiers yeah so they're flying uh they're flying recon watching for this shit happen and marco's complaining about how of all teachers his dad had to go and marry a math teacher uh, he's like, man, you can't like bullshit your way through math. You're either right or you're wrong. It's the square root of two or it's not, right? Right, like, right. <laughs> so, so he's mad about that. Um, and then Jake spots like a little shimmer in like an empty lot next to a Walgreens. Um, and they're like, oh, that must be the hologram that's like disguising the ship. And it starts to kind of lift and take, like, kind of see the outline of the ship. So it starts to take off. So Jake, who's faster as the Falcon, goes to follow it. And sends Marco to go get everyone else and meet me at the ocean. Jake lands in the water near where he sees it, like, go down into the water. And then he demorphs and then morphs into the orca. He notices that the orca's mind is incredibly intelligent in an almost unnerving way. He says it even feels like that the orca mind knows he's also here and piloting the body. Whoa. Like like an Ava or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, he finds the ship with echolocation, um, and he's like, well, they probably see me here, too. Like, they probably hear, like, me clicking at it, and then they're like, oh, an orca. But also, we're on the lookout for strange animals, because we always have to be. Right. Right. uh, let's see. Ocean's uh, got to be very stressful for aliens, because there's just life everywhere. Yeah, Anything yeah. could be an Andalite. Um, his picture of the ship in his echolocation then changes the next time he checks. Uh, it now looks like a big humpback whale. Uh, and so they're like disguising the ship to echolocation to look like something else. Oh, cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the others then arrive, um, and two wild orca are also, like, following them. Like, they saw all these orca and kind of joined up in the pod. They want to be part of the pod. Yeah. <laughs> so the only plan that they have, basically, because they're like, we don't know almost anything about this ship or, like, what's going on. Like, we just decided we had to do something. So the only plan we have is basically let's split up three here, three there, flank it, and try to ram it and ruin the ship. 
right? Um, so they begin their approach, they split, and they kind of try to come at it from both sides, but then it turns and starts heading straight for them. It kind of drops the pretense of trying to list around like a whale and just starts coming at them. Right, um, starts doing technology things. Yeah. A draken beam slices through the water, and Jake looks, he sees blood billowing. He looks and he sees an orca has been split in half lengthways. So, like, going down the length of its body in half. Like a laser, like they just shot it right mm-hmm. in two. And, and he's like, oh my god, everybody sound off. And everybody sounds off. So luckily, that was one of the wild orcas. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it saved the whales, not shave them the fucking half. God damn, that's awful. Um, Jake then gets hit with one next and starts bleeding out. From blowhole to stern, where does he his gets, cut he happen? Gets, he, his his fin, his dorsal fin, and a large chunk of his back below it are just gone. And now there's blood in the water, which means sharks are on their way. Um, and he, he starts bleeding quickly uh, and starts bleeding out. Rachel and Tobias ram the ship, knocking it off balance for a bit, while Cassie and Axe swim under him and start like lifting him up as he demorphs. Um, and Cassie has to talk Jake through controlling what part of his body he demorphs. I uh, love a real-time activity, and it's interesting that it's Jake having to do this. I wonder if he can. He will. It's. I can see we're, we're very early in the book. But yes. this is a very difficult thing to master. Yeah. My shredded body rose, slowly, too slowly, another 20, 50, 100 feet, more than 10 stories of water. Cassie spoke. Jake, listen, try to morph your upper body last. If your lungs go human at this depth, you'll die. Cassie is correct. You must avoid decompression sickness. Start your demorph from your lower body. I'll get you through this, Cassie said. You have to hold two pictures in your head. See your legs. See the whale's head. I concentrated, willed myself to change. I am Jake, human, human. And then it began. Form the pictures in your mind, Jake, Cassie said, her thought-speak voice superhumanly calm. Still so deep, so far from the blessed service. Human lungs bursting, straining. Uh, See the pictures and hold on to them. Add details. See the slick black and white. See your own flesh, the little hairs, everything. The detail will hold the picture. I felt Axe's orca body leave, and once again, Cassie beneath me, lifting the bizarre, half-morphed body. Only seconds of life left. Just a few more yards, Jake, but I couldn't. I was fully human, desperately struggling for breath, flailing ridiculously on the back of a killer whale. I couldn't. Cassie's voice, desperate now. Jake, roll over onto your belly. You're just back from my blowhole. I'm going to let air out slowly for you to take in. Listen to me, Jake. It's your only chance. So he, like, Sonic the Hedgehog breathes a bubble from Cassie. Bop, bop! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I knew you'd understand that reference. Bop, bop! It's the third level in Sonic. Real talk, as a kid, that's where anxiety started for me, I think. It's so stressful. It's <laughs> Mario, when it makes that noise, you're like getting things. But in Sonic, it's like, here comes the death, here comes the death, yeah, here comes yeah. the death. So Jake surfaces, recovers, sputters, coughs, recovers, and then remorphs. Gotta get back down there, right? Uh, this is... Uh, Physically, very taxing. Yes. The, the 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 getting there, the doing this, the saving yourself. I don't know how much energy is left in the tank for this mission because they've already used a lot. Uh, he tells Cassie to join the others and try to attack the ship from beneath it. The Sea Blade slowly is winning the fight, so they rush it all at once, and they do damage it. They fuck up the tail a ton. Um, but uh, many of them are wounded and bleeding out. 
So they all start surfacing. Um, Jake is worried. Uh, he has once again ordered all of his friends to their deaths by making bad decisions. Yep. Jake starts losing consciousness again and demorphs and finds himself carried to the surface, this time in the jaws of an orca, and just thrown into the air by Rachel, who's yep. like, sorry, you were drowning. I had to, like, move quickly. So then he remorphs again for the third time now. Yeah. Uh, everybody regroups. Now four of them are orcas and two of them are sperm whales. They want to make sure that the sea blade is really out of commission and not just, like, temporarily damaged. So they follow it back down, and they find it kind of listing in the deep area in front of, like, a narrow little cave that's, like, too narrow for the ship to get through or anything. It's just kind of sitting there in front of it. And they're like, what, what is it doing? They note that they had not seen any escape pods or anything jettisoned from it. They're like, I wonder if the Visser is on board. I imagine if he was, he might have, like, bailed by now. I'm not sure, but we didn't see anything leave, so I don't know. Maybe he's not. Um, and then they see through the, like, seaweed and stuff, kind of in front of this little cave entrance, they see five or six, uh, creatures sort of emerge, and they start wrapping, like, chains and ropes around the ship, and start pulling it in towards the cave, and the cave literally, like, moves to open to accommodate the ship, and it goes in, and they're like, and then That's it shuts again. underwater sea base that is a, the, that is, uh, uh, illusion technologies being used because that's not exactly how big that hole is. And they're like, who the fuck was that? Because those were creatures we have never seen before. And Axe is like, I have no idea what those things are. Is it a ghost rider? Are we talking about an underwater ghost rider right now? Um, so Jake is like, well, I guess we got to follow him and see what's going on. So they Does ghost rider's hell powers work underwater or does he like fizzle out and look <laughs> sad underwater? I am. I don't know. Does they hell, work. Can hellfire be quenched by normal water? No, David. Uh, I've read the Bible. I cannot. <laughs> um, so they're like, okay, well, we better follow them, but we shouldn't follow them in something that has to breathe air, just in case. So they surface again. They demorph again. They remorph as hammerhead sharks, um, and then they go back. Uh, uh, they're so tired. <laughs> So tired. Uh, they enter the cave. It is like pitch black. Jake is like it's total darkness. Um, they follow the uh, the like musk they can sense in the water. That's like is like is that fuel leaking from the thing? And Axe is like, oh, it's not likely. It's fuel. It's more probably like coolant or like waste from the waste system. And they're like, uh, let's say it's coolant. All right, but <laughs> sure. they they follow the trail of whatever this is in this like dark cave and they reach a wall but then as they like reach the wall and they like kind of hit it and they try to try to like get through it they see like it like starts swirling with lights that then open up to like a tunnel that they can fit through and so they single file go through this tunnel in the wall and then it closes up behind them and they find themselves in this sort of underground like river like so there is a surface and there's like banks with like land i guess technically um and so jake goes first and he demorphs to see if it's breathable air in here and it is it's like musty and dank but it's breathable um it's super dim light but it's not pitch black anymore um there's like some dim light seeming it almost looks like stars above them but it's clearly like like rocks or something that are glowing um in this big like cavern that they're in uh and um 
once their eyes adjust, they look over and they notice a big wooden, like, three-mast ship. Like an old-school, like, big wooden ship. You right? mean the ship that belongs to One-Eye Willie? Is this where his gold is? We kinda, can save the it's town? Like, kind of like that, yeah. Um, so, uh, and it's, like, in a dry dock that is, like, of, like, carved coral. And Cassie's like, that's weird. There's no coral around here. Yo, this might be a mermaid book. Uh, Tobias notes that the ship seems to have a crew. He, like, they all demorph, and he's in his bird morph now, and he's like, yeah, uh, and he kind of flies to go see. On the ship, no, no one's moving. It's They're all clearly dead, but there's, like, a crew of humans, of people, on the rigging, up on the thing, like, in the sails, like, doing that. Like, they're there in their position, but they're, they're clearly dead. But it's like they're positioned in, like... Action poses like this is a like 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 it's a, a snapshot in time of what would be happening were they alive. Are they in a Disneyland underwater attraction? Are they in like the Pirates of the Caribbean and it's just not turned on? So then they look past that ship and they see another one, and this time Spice like what the fuck? That's a Spanish galleon, like also with its own crew of like dead people. And so then they keep walking past it. There's another boat, like a PT boat, like a like from Vietnam. Then there's something huge. And they're like, what is this? Like, this doesn't even look like a boat. So Tobias flies up to kind of get a good vantage point of it. And he comes back and he's like, this is straight up a full-on World War II Japanese aircraft carrier. Uh, complete with crew and what, people. Just like the one that tried to kill Ben Affleck in that hit movie Pearl Harbor that was absolutely <laughs> required viewing in your childhood home. I watched that movie so many times growing uh, up. I know. Did you ever Did you ever pretend to be Cuba Gooding Jr. and shoot all the guns? <laughs> I'll tell you, that movie is like 45 to an hour longer than it needs to be. Oh, uh, there's, yeah. There is a whole last act of that movie that is like, what the fuck is this doing in here? You mean the revenge plot at the end The revenge end of it? plot, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so, so they climb up onto the carrier, figuring that there might be some, like, Flares or like useful objects. World War Two technology. Yeah, at least something maybe useful they can see and get some get some idea of what's going on. So they go through some hatches and they come upon a large room with a platform up front and like charts and maps and there's like almost like theater seating in this kind of large room facing those things. So it's like a briefing room, and there are dead bodies in the seats and all this. And so Axe and Cassie go and like examine these bodies. Uh, they are dead humans, Axe stated. They have been preserved. Stuffed with a substance I cannot identify without further, more detailed examination, and then sewn up in the back with a stringy vegetative material. I am so out of here, Marco said. Jake, we have to go now. Marco, shut up, Rachel said, but more like she was trying to quiet her own fears. Mummies? Like what, like Egyptian mummies, I asked, feeling stupid? Sewn up in the back, Marco muttered. Who cares what style? Dead is dead. The bodies are in remarkable condition, Cassie said, sounding like she was talking from some other place, not connected to her own body. I am unable to identify the culture or people responsible for this, Prince Jake. This is so irrational and strange that I assume it must involve humans. Uh, <laughs> so then a seagull, like, swoops down by them and, like, caws. And they're like, whoa, Jesus. And they look at it, and it is, uh, they notice its eyes are enormous and 
bulbous and covering like the entire sides of its head, like touching even in the front over the beak. Like a robot and, bird? And are bright blue. And no, so it seems as though it has adapted to perpetually dim light. As though like this is a seagull that over however long has adapted to this specific like cave or whatever. This is a seagull. It saw its parents murdered. It has <laughs> vowed justice. And this is a Batman seagull. It lives in a bat. It's a bat. It's a bat seagull. <laughs> so they decide it is probably safer to search around by uh, air. So they all morph owls, except for Tobias, who stays a hawk. Hundreds of ships for countless square miles, German U-boats, 1930s vintage tramp steamer, pieces of junk motorboats, a, a Polynesian raft, rows of periscopes, broken holes, propellers, ship's wheels, rudders and radar equipment, deck furniture from luxury ocean liners, and bodies. Preserved pilots and passengers, 18th century European crew and 20th century tourists, whalers, fishermen. It looks like a collection, Cassie said. Almost orderly, deliberate. Yeah, Mr. Psycho's nautical toy box and graveyard, Marco added grimly. Or a sicko director's movie set, Rachel said. Is anyone else expecting to run across, like, the Titanic? These ships and boats are from everywhere, Marco pointed out. Atlantic, Pacific, thousands of miles away. That galley has to be from the Mediterranean. This is impossible. Uh, so then they spot a light up ahead from, like, what looks like a tunnel. In the lighthouse! Uh, and once they get near it, they get, like, sucked through, like, pulled through by, like, an air current or something, and they tumble into an opening and find what looks like a city, only made out of, like, repurposed ship parts and hulls and cabins and tankers and things, like, turned on their side and the top cut off or, like, stacked together and attached and stuff like that. Um, and they see the city is not, like, dead. There are things moving around and walking around and, and doing things. These sea creatures that look like what, whatever came out and took the sea blade, sort of milling around. Um, <laughs> Marco has something to say. Oh, they were approximately human size, a human in size and shape. Two adults and one child wearing loose, simple garments, kind of old-fashioned for Earth, like togas, like something that ancient Romans wore, and their skin is blue. Not that we haven't seen that before, Rachel said, glancing at Axe. Kind of cool, actually, she said. But This is the remnants of the Atlanteans. They live at the bottom of the ocean and they steal ships to keep their society afloat. <laughs> Jake, it was Cassie. Look at their necks. They're, they're gilled and webbed, I said grimly. Feet and hands. And the eyes, they're oversized like the ones on the seagull, Tobias noted. Not a bad body on that one, Marco said. That earned him stares from all of us. What? What, I can't compliment a fish girl? <laughs> you know, we all had a Princess Zora moment, right? Back in of the day. Of course we did. <laughs> so yeah, the city is active. People are walking around. They find the sea blade uh, kind of towards the middle of the city, tied up next to like a giant pyramid-looking structure. Um, and they see it looks like it's already starting to be like worked on. Um, and they also see a line of Hork-Bajir being led out of the Sea Blade by the ten or so of these creatures. The ancient Atlanteans have basically made chop shops where they're just like, <laughs> they're listening to Lowrider and like keep people captured and stuff like that. I am nodding my head very aggressively. <laughs> yes. uh, uh, so, and these creatures that are like l taking this line of Hork-Bajir in like manacles and shackles and stuff out of the Sea Blade are all armed 
with like a variety of weapons from throughout history. One's got a spear. One's got a bow and arrow. One has like a German World War II submachine gun. One had like you know like it's just like it's nutso. Let's see. They ha- they see no sign of uh, Visser Three. Um, and Jake is like, okay, good enough. The Sea Blade is out of commission. Time to demorph, remorph, and GTFO. Like, yeah. let's leave. Um, so they fly off to what looks like an empty space. The ground is covered in like rubbery vines that seem to like be floating on like water. But otherwise, there's no like buildings or anything around here. So they're like, all right, we're gonna land, demorph, and remorph. So they demorph, and then suddenly, are as they're human, are floored by nets that spring up, and people who spring up from the water beneath them. Uh, so scary. Such a scary scene. Yeah. Uh, Tobias had been flying to keep watch, and Jake has Axe tell him in thought speak, like, do not get caught, stay safe, stay airborne, like, d- d- don't get involved right now. Um, stay out of sight. They can't morph because they don't know who these guys are or if they're controllers or where the Yurks are or where Visser 3 is, who would see them, right? So they are dragged in these nets back into the city. Um, they hear the screams of hork in the distance as they are, like, dragged through town. Um, they are dumped into a dim but very fancy throne room where a woman-slash-queen is seated on the throne. And she begins to speak to them, first in Chinese, then in Scandinavian, then German, French, and finally English. Yeah, yeah, like a Rosetta Stone. No, next one, next she, one, at, next one. At some one. point says French, and Jake is like, oh, oh, uh, uh, parlez-vous, parlez-vous français? Anglais? Yeah, anglais. And she's like, yes, of course I do. And he's like, all right. <laughs> so, her name is Queen Soko. Queen Queen Ahsoka, okay. Queen Soko, and she refers to them as surface dwellers. Yeah. And they they are known as the Nartek. The Nartek. Sounds a lot like the Aztecs. Mm -hmm. She requires that they be guests at a traditional feast. Oh, they're eating people at that feast. (laughs) Uh, She calls a guard with a rifle who comes up. His name is Naka to, like, show them to the feast table. (laughs) Uh, and they are warned by Queen Soko not to try and escape. This is not a request. This is an order. Just uh, like when the Beast invited Belle to dinner, it was a demand. She has to eat dinner. Jake is freaking out in his head at the table like, okay, I've just walked us into death again. What a fucking leader am I, right? Um, uh, they, he still doesn't know where Tobias is. Uh, the Queen asks if they have any questions. Uh, I would ask, are we going to be forced to marry you? What is happening? (laughs) What is your name? What is going on? How long have you been Atlanteans? Uh, Axe suggests that they ask about the Nartex origin. Uh, And I wrote down to read a page. They're aliens that came here a couple million years ago. They live under the ocean. Their planet got destroyed. Poseidon was based on their, like, original general. Aquaman's a dick and he's not invited to here anymore because he stole all the good animals. Ah, there we go. Ha ha! Uh, so he asks about the uh, the origin of the Nartek. She folded her arms over her chest, closed her eyes and kept them shut for a long minute while I sweated and wondered if I'd committed some offense. Then she opened her eyes again, but kept her gaze elevated. It was a ritual, I realized, seeing the respectful reactions of the other Nartek. This is the story our people have told since the beginning. This is the sacred truth told again and again down through the ages. The sacred truth of the kings and queens of the Nartek. 
Many thousands of years ago, the Nartek lived on an island in the middle of the great ocean, Queen Soko intoned. Very slowly, subtly, over time, the island began to sink. Each generation built higher and higher walls around the island uh, to keep the great ocean from swallowing the people. With each passing year, the walls became higher, higher, higher and higher, hundreds of feet tall, marvels of engineering. The Nartek nodded in agreement, a silent chorus playing its part. Still, it was inevitable that the pressure of the great ocean would cause these protective walls to wear and to bend. Closer and closer they grew until the top of each wall met uh, the top of the other and formed a ceiling to our world. Then the great ocean closed over the Nartek. The island continued to sink. Perhaps it is still sinking. Queen Soko paused to eat a small hunk of white fish. Oh, hold on. I'm getting a knock on the door. One second. It's the man! It's the electricity man! Okay, so everybody knows David's apartment doesn't work right now. There's an outlet that's not working. It's been held to try to get this recorded because he didn't know when they were going to come and look at it. Management is sending out like a guy to come look at it, which is stupid because David has repeatedly said, I need electricity to be here. So a guy's going to come look at it right now and go, oh yeah, this is way above my pay grade. We need an electrician. And David's going to go, great. I wish somebody would have told you to do that. And then that guy will call electrician, which will then mean that they'll be out there in, you know, two to four business days. Maybe, maybe. We're going to have to break for a second. Because <laughs> the man is there to, to yeah, I told that. The yeah. audience is to completely informed, David. Just a second. What did the queen say? <laughs> <laughs> we are back after interruptions. Uh, David, did the man say, oh, I got to call an electrician to do this? No, actually, he fiddled with something for a bit and then tested it and said it should be fine. We plugged everything in. It seems to be fine. It'll so be I'll, their I'll, fault when it burns yeah, down. I'll keep, I'll keep an eye on it. Um, but yeah, it seems to be okay. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> so the queen was discussing the history of her people. The, the ocean swallowed up this island. What is important is that the Nartek did not die, she said. We adapted to our new underground, underwater world. Over time, we discovered alternative sources of light, like that produced by the Narna rocks that blanket our roof and ceilings. And of necessity, our bodies changed too, at an impressively rapid rate. We became amphibious by an act of supreme will. Axe commented privately, Even without the necessary experimentation, I am fairly certain the light produced by the Narna rocks the Queen Sogo mentioned is radioactive. No doubt this radioactivity hastened the rate of the Nartex mutation. I nodded again slightly to show, uh, show Axe I had heard him. Thus did we come to build this magnificent city, thus did we survive and prosper, and thus did we come to be the rightful rulers of the one ocean and all lands touching her. The crowd nodded and seemed satisfied. They sat back, relaxed, and began to eat again. Queen Soko took another drink from her cup and continued. Her voice was less formal now. She met my gaze. Of course, the Nartek continued to study technology of sunken, ocean-going vessels constructed by the surface dwellers. We studied the construction techniques and food storage methods... We learn of navigational equipment and of other electronic devices that might be of use to us. From the large, ocean-going pleasure boats, we learn about the changing styles of surface clothing and furnishings and recreational activities. And if there are survivors of the wrecks that bring these vessels to us, we study them, too. That is, until we've learned all we need to know from them. Here it comes, Marco <laughs> mumbled. And then I asked, though I knew the answer. Queen Soko smiled faintly, amused. 
Then they are preserved to become part of our storehouse of knowledge. You kill them and stuff them, Rachel said. Exactly. <laughs> they're like a, they're like the hills have eyes. They've like mutated freaks. Their genetic pool is tiny. This is not a good people to be around. So Jake asks, "What are their plans for the Sea Blade, the ship?" And they are going to that use will it. be turned into our newest attraction. It is better than any other vessel that they've captured from the surface dwellers. So clearly, something better made it. So they are going to use it, repair it. Uh, repair it and use it to make raids on the surface dwellers and steal their people and their things and rule Finally, from the Finally, it's our turn to be on top once again. She asks how they got here with no ship of their own, and Jake does not answer. Uh, and she's like, oh, well, maybe you need some time to, like, refresh your memory or come to your senses. Take them to the stuffing chamber! No, she leaves the guard with them and tells them to feel free to look around the palace, the library, like, get a look at our grand civilization before you come to your senses, you know? We have gizmos and gadgets aplenty. We've got cruisers <laughs> and what's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is our chambers of thingamabobs. We've got 20. <laughs> While exploring their library, Jake asks Axe what he makes of all of this. And Axe is also, like, very annoyed right now because she made some comment about this blue-furred thing uh, that they're keeping as a pet and all this stuff. And he's just like, harumph, harumph. And then she's like, oh, the technology on that Yerk-made ship is so great. And he's like, Analyze could have done it better. Like, like <laughs> sure, he's, okay. you know, uh, so he's, he's feeling a little on edge. And Marco's looking at porno from the 30s. He's looking at dirty etchings they have from some <laughs> whaling ship. Uh, he says, Prince Jake, assuming the basis of Queen Soko's story is true, and the Nartek originated on the surface, that is, on planet Earth, and given the Nartek's apparently accelerated rate of adaptation to this underwater environment, an acceleration confirmed here in these ancient but remarkably well-preserved and annually updated population records... I believe the Nartek are self-destructing. They are profoundly inbred. As I believe humans know, insufficient variety in the gene pool can lead to deterioration over time. The Nartek population is dropping. Fertility is dropping. Infant mortality from birth defects is rising. Lifespans are shorter. You mean they're on the brink of extinction? Cassie whispered. Yes, the high levels of radioactivity have allowed them to undergo accelerated rates of mutation, but now the destructive mutations are beginning to pile up, and they have insufficient sources of new genetic material. Why, I asked. Cassie had the answer. Fewer ships sinking. They must have been breeding with the limited numbers of surface humans, survivors of sinking ships. Axe nodded. It would be at best a short-term and dangerous fix. The new breeding stock would no doubt have resulted in a relatively large number of Nartek born without their unique adaptations, gills, and webbed feet. So their dreams of conquering Earth are the desperate act of a race that knows itself to be doomed. Yeah, they're the hills have eyes. They're crazy sea hillbillies. They're like underwater morph, like mutants. Yeah. The mutation! That's the name of the story! That's the name of the story! We got there! Um, alright. So, then, they decide, well, then, we either have to destroy the Sea Blade so that they can't use it to launch a campaign against the surface, which they will eventually lose, but how many people die before that happens, right? Um, so they either have to, uh, destroy it or steal it and then destroy it. 
another group of people that these kids have to murder. Also, you kind of don't want these people popping off on the surface because then the humans would be alerted to, to like, like weird things, weird yeah. things, and then start looking for it, which it might, might escalate, escalate the yep, war yep, with yep. the yeah. So. They're like, well, destroying it here with just, like, animal morphs seems very unlikely. So, we are going to need to steal it. There is also the very, at this point, I think Axe is like, um, we're not, like, talking about another thing that might be possible. And then they have to reconcile with, yeah, we're going to steal it. But also, it's quite possible that Visser 3 avoided capture by morphing small or something on the ship and is still on the ship. Yeah, like a jack-in-the-box. So, they're being led around the city by this guard, and a couple other guards kind of join up and sort of also are, like, keeping a pace from them, but, like, are there, clearly. And Jake gets the sense that Naka, this guard, has done this tour many times before. This yeah, seems, this, is, this seems this is, very yeah. rehearsed. It seems very, like, oh, and then we take them here, and then we take them here, and then we take them here, and then we kill them and stuff them, right? Like, it's, yep. like, it's a very... And he can see, like, these other guards sort of joining up but at a distance so as not to alarm anybody but they're definitely there and on hand um so they're led away from the town center uh and they try to take them to see their medical facilities they're like oh this is like a hospital boat we turned into our medical facilities we'd love to show these off to you they're like north korea come see our hospital it's one of the most up-to-date underground facilities (laughs) come see our medical facilities and jake is like no we're good we've seen hospitals and they're like oh but it would be such an insult to queen soko if you if we didn't show you this and jake is like no we're not going in there she wants to show you the screaming rooms i mean the yelling chambers yeah. I mean the re- relaxation pub. And Jake feels safe enough in this moment of defiance because he like sees like where they're being led. There's like a small little gangway between like them and the rest of the guards. So they're like, okay, well they're not gonna they're only gonna be able to come over like one at a time on this little bridge. Like blah blah blah. It should be okay. So like, no, we are not going in the hospital. You can go fuck yourself, basically. And then. At the last moment, Jake is like, oh, fuck, wait, I forgot. They are ambushed again from the sides from underwater. And it, it's like, like, so they're like on this area where that's surrounded by water and they got across a little gangplank. So they're like, oh, well, they'd have to cross this little gangplank to get to us, forgetting that these are like amphibious people who are probably also got back up just chilling in the pool around them, right? Just like the climax of the pink, uh, not the Pink Panther, Black Panther 2, oh. where the water folk fight the land folk. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, outside, lights out, unconscious, boom. Wakes up, strapped to a table. Your classic <laughs> wake up strapped to a table. Yeah. Looks around as much as he can, sees that the others are also strapped to a table, doesn't see Axe anywhere. Um, and basically, uh, the guards that are in the room with them are like, give the classic like, hey, don't struggle. It's pointless to struggle. Resistance is futile, right? They always say that. You should still struggle. That's fine. Uh, I'll, I'll write this down. Uh, and then he's like, we're going to inject you with something to make you more compliant and calm anyway. And then what? I asked. And then we will make an incision from the top of your skull down to your buttocks, then down the back of each leg. Your ribs will be removed, then your internal organs, and eventually the rest of your tissue. What are you doing this for? I demanded, a little frantically. Your organs and tissue will be processed to extract the helical molecule that controls heredity and later employed to augment the development of... There are easier ways to get new DNA, you idiot, Marco (laughs) yelled. (laughs) 
Naka continued unperturbed. Then your skin and bones will be stuffed and preserved to be used in our educational facility. So Jake is about to, like, give the order for everyone to spring into action. Morph, let's go. Let's get out of here. But then he starts to kind of be like, what? what's the problem, baby? It's all chill. Did they start pumping the THC through the vents? They sure did. They start pumping the injection. And even Rachel is like, let's go. Actually, never mind. I'm all right. Oh. You know? Um, so then Jake sees another Nartek walk up into the room. And he's, he's getting all fuzzy visioned and stuff. But he sees this Nartek has like a mace, like a, like a medieval mace in his hand. And he walks in and he kind of looks around and then immediately just starts wailing on the other Nartek in the room. Boom, boom, drives them out of the room or knocks them unconscious, shuts and locks the door, That's turns, turns back around and starts growing feathers. And it's Tobias. Oh, it's Tobias. (laughs) (laughs) Tobias. Yeah. And Rachel's like, man, cutting it a little close there, Tobias. Tobias is like, you try finding your way around this place in this like shitty ass deformed body. Like the guards that were here that overpowered you are the lucky ones that are, are like strong. But like most of the people here are super winded being out of the water for like five minutes. You know? Yeah, they weren't they weren't allowed to see the uh, the what do you call it the like terrible defects, right? Like the other people of the land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so they like they like free them. They free Axe from like a separate chamber. He like gets pulled out of like he's like in a freezer basically, and he comes out. <laughs> Axe stepped out looking about as mad as I've seen him. I suppose my DNA was not good enough to improve this pathetic species. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Good old-fashioned xenophobia coming from Axe. Don't complain, Cassie said. You wouldn't have enjoyed the extraction process. I am not afraid of needles. Well, they use the entire body, grind it up and process it, and stuff whatever's left, Cassie explained. Ah, well, they are merely mutated humans. One can only expect so much. (laughs) I love giving Axe a chance to just be a little bit like, "Ah, this is so below me. I love it. So they uh, morph bird and leave through, like, a porthole in the ceiling just as the guards kind of, like, breach the door and rush in. Um, and then they fly back to the Seablade. Uh, Visser or no Visser, we got to get this ship and get the fuck out of here, right? Right. Um, so they land before they get to the Seablade and, and are like, okay, demorph, battle morphs, let's go, hard and fast, let's hit it. And someone's like, oh, we're doing this Rachel style? And basically Jake is like, yep. We're doing this Rachel style. Everybody bulk up. Uh, so they uh, they bum rush the ship. They get to the this like open hatch on it that Tobias had spotted earlier so they knew where to go. They throw the couple Nartek that are in there out <laughs> of the ship. They shut the hatch. And then inside the ship, they're like getting ready to go to the stations or whatever. And they find uh, Hork-Bajir all stuffed and preserved and in their stations and leaning over consoles and standing and they're like, uh, we don't have time to deal with this, so just push them aside. Yeah, we'll, there's a bunch of them on the backs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is so gross. Um, so Axe starts trying to bypass like the security measures on this ship, but it's more complex than he expected, so it's like taking some time. Uh, then the, uh, big ass guns, they like look out the window and they see a bunch of Nartek like swarming towards the ship. And then also like big ass, like cannons and like, like ship mounted cannon, right? Like turning towards the ship and they're like, oh no. 
the hatch gets the outer hatch gets like blown open and Nartek starts swarming in and then a fight ensues and it's super chaotic fight. The Nartek are coming in like one or two at a time because of this like small hatch opening, but it's sheer numbers. They just like keep coming and and the Animorphs are all getting super tired, super exhausted, wounded here and there, a spear in their shoulder, a sword in their stomach, right? Like, um, at, at one point, Rachel, as a bear, like, grabs a guy and uses him as a bullet shield <laughs> against some of the guns they're using. Like Robocop. Yeah. Um, eventually, they are pushed into a corner, bloodied and exhausted. Uh, and then, boosh! A massive blast of heat and light from the corridor. Ten, twelve Nartek at the mouth of the hall fell to the floor, their skin smoldering. They crawled away, desperate to escape. What the heck was that? Marco yelled. He held up his right arm. Uh, the dark court's hair was singed from a sturdy fist to shoulder. The viscer, Axe hissed. His stock eyes were turned back toward us, his main eyes still glued to the control board. How can you tell? I demanded. Well, it is a Luminar, a beast from the moon of planet Sleegab 5. What else but the viscer in Morph? Into the control room came the Luminar, a blinding glow, blasting heat, heat emanating from the very skin of the beast, seven feet of blowtorch. Two short arms and two stubby legs protruded from a bulbous body, sausage-like fingers, a wide smile, crackling with electricity. A bleeding Nartek scrambled to his web feet and tried to scurry past the creature into the corridor. The Luminar extended one fat finger toward the Nartek. Fried. A charred body collapsed in charcoal flakes to the floor. I felt my stomach heave. The smell was revolting. Okay, we didn't need that, Marco said. The Luminar pointed again at each living Nartex still in the control room, wounded or whole, and before they could scream or cry or run, piles of and heaps of charcoal Nartex flesh. <laughs> uh, uh, so then, the Visser clears all the Nartex, like, out of this place, and shuts the, like door to the um the, we just uh, got the, the equivalent of when darth vader killed all those dudes yeah. at the end of rogue one but if darth vader was like a fire like a like a, yeah. um uh uh the uh jesus christ from lord of the rings the um the eagles no why am i blanking on it right now the basilisk the, the balrog jesus the christ. balrog uh so <laughs> so they shut the the like bridge door and Visser 3 is basically like okay listen I can undo the security thing you're trying to hack through if you help us fly out of here because this needs this ship needs more than one person we're gonna need more than one person to it's function. a starship enterprise everyone's mm -hmm. gotta get to a station so Jake looks at everybody they're hurt and exhausted he private speaks to everyone to be ready the moment will come and accepts the Visser's proposal Visser 3 is really smug about it Mm. Like, ah, Andalites, you always have your self-righteous shit until you have to throw that away to save yourselves. Well, you know, like that kind of shit. Um, so the Visser unlocks the ship, Axe is the pilot, Jake tells Rachel to take the weapons, and says, tells Axe to privately thought-speak to her on how to work them. Sure. Um, um, because they need, to keep, they need to pretend like they're all Andalites, and they would know how to do this, right? Um, so Jake doesn't think that the Visser ha knows that the outer hatch was blown open because he came from a corridor inside the ship and then shut the bridge off. So he asks Marco if Marco can hold it shut for a while. And Marco's like, I'll do my best as a gorilla, you know. So then they fly through this underground 
Pursued by boats and craft uh, of the Nartek, they submerge and start blasting through walls, and there's, like, U-boats following them and shit. Um, uh, And then right as they begin to leave... Prince Jake, there are several mechanically propelled cylindrical objects coming at us from behind. They appear to be propelled by primitive electric engines turning small propellers. Torpedoes, the Mr. cried, seeing the display. Three minutes to impact. We can easily outrun them. Maximum power and delight will be in the open sea within seconds. No, in private thought speak. Jake, you okay, man? Tobias said. I'm fine, buddy. Axe, kill the engines. Marco, open the hatch. Oh, man. Oh, boy, they're blowing this baby up! The engine suddenly quieted. The Visser turned violently away from the control board. You betray me, he roared. I will incinerate you. But just then, the wave of seawater exploded through the doorway and flooded across the bridge deck. The Visser's burning feet were suddenly mere flesh. Interesting morph, Visser, I said. Does it work underwater? <laughs> so he, it's not a ghostwriter situation. It's not David. a ghostwriter situation. It's not a ghostwriter situation. So, water fills the cabin. The Visser starts demorphing. Rachel grabs Tobias, because he's a bird, and this is going to be rough for a bird. Uh, It's funny that (laughs) in every submarine movie, it ends with the horror of the water coming in, but our kids can effectively become water breathers, so, okay, okay, what are they going to do with that bird boy? Uh, Just going to hold on to him and carry him out with us, you know? Uh, The torpedoes hit the ship, ship rocks... Everybody swims out of the ship. Once the once the bridge fills with water, it's not pushing them back anymore, so they can just kind of swim out. Uh, they're still in the Nartek cave, um, like at the river area, right before they came in. So they uh, demorph, remorph into hammerheads uh, with one orca. Cassie remorphs to orca. They get out and regroup. Cassie had echolocated and saw uh, some kind of squid thing leaving the uh, towards land, so they assume the viscer had got away. And then, uh, where is it? The Visser had survived, but so had we. Barely. My own mistakes would keep me awake at night for a while to come, but I'd been in charge for a while now. I'd gotten past thinking I would always be right. It's a war, I reminded myself. You did what you could, Jake. You tried to do what's right. You tried not to make it any worse than it had to be. And you got everyone home alive. We headed back to shore, away from the nightmare world beneath the sea, back toward their own gentler, uh, toward our own gentler civilization. Filthy creatures, Rachel spat. Someone needs to wipe them out. The Nartek? Cassie asked. Who else? What they did to all those people, all those sailors, those flyers back there? Filthy, sick creatures. As bad as the Yerks. I believe you overlook one fact, Axe said. Yeah? All those sailors back there, all those humans the Nartek defiled? Many of them have sunk in storms or hurricanes, or by the failure of primitive, primitive human technology. Many, but not all. So? I knew where Axe was going. I said, so the rest, including those Japanese flyers, they were sunk by humans in human wars, not by the Nartek. The weapons they used on us, human weapons. We want to hate them for what they do. Maybe we should stop helping them do it. Rachel was silent for a while, and then she said, okay, fair enough. But you know what? We win this war someday, get rid of all all the Yerks, and everything comes out and all. We need to go back, show people what's down there, get busy. Start a whole new war, Cassie asked. No, not to fight, Rachel said softly, to bury. Amen to that, I said. Let's get out of here. The end. I'm I'm not for a loss for words. I'm a little dumbfounded that the series has now already had so many hats of ideas that it just was like, oh yeah, there's... Mutant humans that live under the sea that have been living there for a long time. Yep. It see, it, 
I dare say this is one of the crazier turns because, yeah. like, so far it's our reality with these aliens, with aliens, yeah. and now it's like, oh no, that's true. But in addition to that, there's also mutant people living yeah. under the ocean, and all of that craziness that it like gives us. It then also has this tone of like, and also this is just sort of an episode of the week. Like honestly, if you skip this, you might not miss much. You know what I mean? Like it's like that kind of feel at, at, uh, at points. I feel like this is something when people ask us about these series, like, right, what do we think about it? This is a crazy thing to add. Yeah. That there are... And maybe mur- it comes back. It has to come back. How does it not come back? Now, I don't think it's going to come back the way we want it to, but, like, maybe the kids should befriend these freaks and do something with them in terms of, like, are they and the Chi going to be the two standing with the humans <laughs> against the ultimate battle? I, don't know. I didn't get a good vibe from the Nartek just now, so. No, no, we didn't even get into all the fucking weird incest, okay? Like, that was just implied, yeah. okay? Yeah, they didn't take us to the pleasure rooms where they get some of these things. <laughs> I don't have any notes about that because it bums me out, but here are the lessons I do have. Let's see it. Lesson. David, be woke. Wake up, David. <laughs> the world is burning, okay? You gotta get woke. Preaching to the choir, my friend. Uh, I wrote, you should watch the movie The Golden Child. It's one of my favorite Eddie Murphy movies. It's a really <laughs> funny movie. It's weird, but it's funny. What made you think of that? Uh, when you said that oh, he the, was the uh, golden Toby, child? Toby the, I, no, you call him the golden child. I sure. thought I wrote down a note referencing myself. I wrote that when you're in labor, deep, sh- uh, shallow breaths will not help that baby get out of you. Long, sustained breathing is what you need to get through this. I wrote Crush is a delicious soda. Not everybody knows about it, sure. but it's here in Los Angeles at all of like the old hot dog places. I love me a crush. You uh, you an orange crush or a grape crush? Uh, it's a silly question. I can't believe you even asked me that. You know the answer. What do I drink? Orange. You drink yeah, orange? thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank I you know. very much. You flip back and forth like a coin, right? I, I, grape soda is tasty. It's so tasty. Uh, I wrote, gills need water to live. So if you know any gills in your life, dunk them in the water. <laughs> Get them down there. They're hurting right now. Mouse? Fossils? Fusils make me... Mm. Moving past that one, David. What does it say? It says mouse. We were talking about mice really early in the stories. Cat and mouse game is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Catfish and mouse fish, if you will. Yeah, I wrote that. Oh, mice fish make me scared. Like, I could deal with a catfish, but if a mouse fish came swimming at me, I would be like, that's what it was. Mouse fish. Thank you, David. You're welcome. Oh, Thank you. Don't brand animals. I know you want a way of keeping track of your livestock. You are burning their flesh. They do not like it. We do not need to be branding things anymore. Sure, sure. SeaWorld is just a water jail for animals. It's for the hot... They are convicted felons. That's why they keep them behind glass. We know, I know that we like to show them to children. That is a sea jail. Get out of there. <laughs> Uh, I wrote Sea World. Uh, I wrote Sea World War Two was an awful event for everybody involved. <laughs> it was. I'm, sad. Now, I'm picturing like a little like like a Hitler shark or like a Hitler octopus like directing all the fish. Yeah, yeah. It would be. It would. It would finally. We could finally have the conclusion though to the incredible Mr. Limpet, which I've talked about on this show many yeah. a time. Yeah. If he could go after a water uh, Hitler, we could finally get the third act we've always wanted. Yeah. 
I wrote, join a pod, whether it's a pod of whales or the Storytime pod. Find a community, <laughs> like, comment, subscribe. Let them know that you rep those stripes. There we go. Animals need weapons. I get that you're an orca, but you put a fucking spear on the head of that orca, that's a different beast altogether. I mean, it's a really, this is a macabre thing to piggyback onto that, but have you seen what they do in, like, illegal chicken fights? Yeah, they do those, they do the razor beaks. They give them, like, they give, well, razor beaks, and, like, on their talons, they put, like, basically razor blades on their Uh, talons. It's awful. It's awful stuff. I will not name names, and I will allude, and there's nobody you know, but somebody at work was talking about how much they love horses and animals, but then started referencing, like, Mexico's a different place. Sometimes the animals fight. I was like, what are we justifying right now? Like, what did you just say? Like, it's a, Sometimes I, the animals fight. I didn't like where this was going. Uh, uh. But just like Nike, Davey, uh, just do it. If you need to be, don't, don't think about it. Just do it. If you need to switch your lungs into animal lungs, just do it. No practice. Yeah, you're doing it now. Oh my goodness. It's so concave. <laughs> For the record, while he was saying that, I started slowly removing my shirt. <laughs> uh, David, attack your enemies from below. Whether okay. we're talking yeah, hits in Vietnam softest. or hiding in the water like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Predator, yeah. that's where you can get them with your sticks. Oh, uh, Captains should not go down with the ships. Speaking of ships, I know that well, this is some age-old adage. If, it's a terrible one. If if someone has to go down with the ship, it should probably be the captain. Absolutely not. But if not. everyone can get off the ship, then the captain should be able to get off the ship, too. He, listen... <laughs> In the bottom of the ship should be rats and other things that... Because a sea rat would be terrifying. They die in the ship. The captain should get off to give directions afterwards. Uh, (laughs) I wrote, David, it all goes into the ocean. Everything you put into that toilet, I know you're like, this doesn't matter. I can get rid of this Hershey's wrapper in this toilet. You know, I've said that and done that many times. You know how I love to dispose of my Hershey's wrappers. Yeah, you you make, you make, he takes his little tersey kisses, he makes them into little balls and he throws them into the toilet. I put them, I I take a basket of them, I I save them up and then I dump them all in at once so it's like a, like, like shotgun pellets. Yeah, he calls it, he calls it Easter bathroom fun and it's gross, David. (laughs) It's gross. (laughs) They'll never stop me. Uh, I wrote, revenge plots take a long time. Sure. Like, sometimes it's quick revenge, but usually it is a long time in terms of like, working it out yeah do not google tramp steamer i know that people are gonna want to know what it is don't google it don't google tub girl don't google lemon party don't google two girls one cup these are not things that should be in your browser history Uh, when i one day i'm going to Never have to think about those again. <laughs> David, you're talking about one day. I wrote the note because I could see the fire in your eyes. David can't wait to meet a fish girl. I just I, I just know it. You would yeah. be like, gills don't bother me. <laughs> Give, where's my shape of water? You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, I wrote, you need, uh, I learned the lesson, you need eyes in the sky. If we're in a war, we need somebody up below, uh, up, yeah. uh, up top and down below, keeping reconnaissance going. Got to keep the high ground. Uh, I wrote uh, 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 the sacred tales. That's just fishman propaganda, everybody. We all got a dose of it, but be listen. Propaganda is going to come at you from all the different ways. Okay, be prepared for it, especially from below. 
Now, I don't want to take us out of this world for a second, but I think it's important to address it. Don't record a podcast when the super is coming over. I didn't. You they told me knew this was happening. No, David. They told me that it was happening tomorrow, which is yeah. why I was so surprised. Yeah. Listen. Okay. Listen. I'm fine with that. Then the lesson I learned is we need better communication. Just I also found general. out that they came on Friday, but I wasn't here. But then they never told me that they came on Friday. Where were you on Friday? I went somewhere else so that I could use internet to work. Oh, that's right. I, the audience is all is very aware of your broken plugs. I let them know so, in the so, Okay, good. Yeah. So, so I would have been here if they told me that they were going to be here. But then they didn't tell me. And then they showed up today also without telling me. But... Uh, I wrote the note Waterworld. Don't have any notes for that one. Just wrote Waterworld. Yeah. Uh, I wrote that. The I, uh, the lesson I learned is that a jack-in-the-box is an allegory for death. It is to prepare children. Because you if don't... you get too much jack-in-the-box, you feel like you want to die. That's right, David. That's exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> Speaking of you, as I saw, as see, the audience doesn't see when your eyes light up. I, I wrote, David can't wait to wake up strapped to a table. I just feel like... <laughs> Listen, you would have to get permission beforehand, right? You would have sure, to, yeah. like, let everyone know. But I just feel well, if you were like, it was a strap weekend, I would be like, oh, his dreams are coming true. Sure, I get Well, I got to tell you, if we're, if we're being honest, I'm not big into restraining me. Sure, sure. You don't want to be, you want to be I, the owner of Clipper. It's like, well, it's like, dog. I just, I, I get very, I kind of minorly claustrophobic. And that extends to, like, not being able to move. Right, so like a sex coffin is but not your knew, jam. If I knew it was safe, uh, and you know, there, obviously in this situation we're talking about, there's going to be safe words and trust between people. So that I probably would be fine with. You are fine with a sex pyramid, but not a sex coffin. <laughs> you could, uh, well, I'd, I'd try a coffin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wrote, always struggle. They say don't struggle. The moment they say that, you should struggle harder. You should start harder. struggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start struggling harder. Uh, I wrote, the lesson, taint to head is a terrible way to die. That's just a, open me up like a banana peel. No, oh, thank yeah, yeah, yeah. you. Uh, I wrote, be careful with Xanax. Listen, I know that like... <laughs> that wasn't even in the book. I know that like you've t- you're like stressed out, so you've taken something, and now nothing matters, and you're loosey goosey. Oh, but like, where this came in, maybe yeah. not make life and death decisions when the Xanax hits. You know what sometimes, I mean? Sometimes though, you sometimes you're like, I got nothing going the rest of the day. I'm free to do this, and then you like take it, and then immediately you get that phone call that's like something important is happening, and you need to be here, and you're like, okay, and I'll like, oh, no. later this afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta take an Uber at this point. You go on your lunch break and you hit your weed pen but you forgot that you put a new cartridge in so now you hit it too hard and then you get back to the office and you find out you're running a meeting. Yeah, and you're like, okay, let me just eat these M&Ms real quick. I totally made that situation up. Never once has happened to me. It's a fictional situation. (laughs) It doesn't exist in real life. Uh, Be careful with your shade. Uh, We had to explain this concept. (laughs) Like throwing shade or the shade? Yes, be careful. Listen, be careful with that shade. Be careful where you're standing. Who knows what people need shade behind you. Just be careful (laughs) with your shade. Oh, uh, this was something that I'm reflecting upon after listening to this story. But like taxidermy is just shrines to death. 
they're just little like uh, animal uh, mummies that we like to look at. I don't yeah. know how I feel about that in general. I don't think I'm okay. What if with it that. died of natural causes and then is taxidermy? Yes, if a human being killed it in World War II and its animal body sunk to the bottom of the ocean where another person taxidermied it, you, that's fine. Have you seen the the cat skeleton that has? No, she has a cat. She has a full cat skeleton. Yeah. Uh, no, she's never once presented that to me while eating, so I it's have not seen it. It's just out in her living room, yeah. I'll ask for pictures of it this evening. Uh, I wrote, human shields are shields. I know they're frowned upon, but, like, they work. <laughs> they work pretty good for what you need them to do. Also, were the Nartek human? Right, David. Are they human? Are they human? Or Which is why I wrote the lesson, them? never trust a non-human. If you can't communicate okay. with it, you don't trust it. Sure. Is a ghost a human? Uh, it's a great question, David. They're the ghost dimension, <laughs> that's, I don't that's, think. That's, that's the philosophy for you. Is a ghost a human is the same as is a hot dog a sandwich? I don't know how to answer those <laughs> well, questions. Well, it depends on if, what is it a ghost of, I think, is right. the question. Uh, is going to be so... Okay, don't know that one. David, fake it till you make it. Man, Listen, that's one of our favorite lessons. I love if it. If you don't know how to work the alien guns, just, like, move around a yeah. bunch until somebody yeah. says something. Plus, you're a bear, so, like, you could be... Blame the bear paws for like, oh, sorry, I didn't push that button properly. That's right. I wrote, fire doesn't work in water. I was always confused about that. I had never seen like an example of it in real time. Now I understand. <laughs> and then my last lesson, of course, and some would disagree with this, but I think this is okay. You got to bury your dead. I know you sure. want to be like that Colorado ho that Colorado burial center and do it naturally. You got to get that. There are germs inside of those bodies. You got to get them into the ground as soon as possible. Are you, uh, uh, are you going to be cremated or are you a bury my whole body type person? Uh, I feel like on the planet Earth being what it is, I feel like it is selfish of me in my death <laughs> to be like, to I need still be a six like, by six by 12 like square of... Yeah. Yeah. I would listen. I, I I know that this probably is biases from my youth. I would love for them to cremate me and turn me into some sort of weapon that could be used in a gladiatorial arena. They turn us into diamonds. I would love to be a diamond axe for somebody that I could then watch in my ghost form because I'm not a human to like see what happens to me next. Did you ever see the movie Eulogy? Well, uh, the British Ray one or Romano, the American one? Uh, American Ray Romano and Hank Azaria, Rip Torn, Zoe Deschanel. Uh, there's just a Wait, funny bit in it where that's not that's a different movie. No, it's called Eulogy. What's the movie with Peter Dinklage where he was the lover of the dad at the funeral? I don't know. Okay, okay, yeah, I have seen that weird movie yeah, you talked about. The it's bit, not good. There's the bit. It's fine. Uh, there's the bit with Ray Romano that I like where he they get stoned and he's talking about like how he wants to be cremated and then he wants his ashes to be mixed with the ink they use to print the money so that he'll be <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> That's gross. Money is gross. Uh, anything to do with money is gross. But what's not gross is that one of these days, not next week because I'm on vacation, sure. but when I get back from my vacation, you get to tell me the wonderful story, book 37, oh. which is subtitled what? I didn't realize we were out of lessons. Yeah, uh, here we yeah, are. we're out of lessons, This is preview time. Okay. Book number 37 is called The Weakness. Oh, not The Weekend. Okay. The Weakness. It's oatmeal. Uh, I'll show you the cover. That's Rachel oh, on the cover there. She's turning a into a cheetah. Yep, she sure is. If I show you the inside cover, there's... 
It, I'm gonna let you know that cover looks like like a Scientology brochure. Like oh. the cheetah will lay down with the intergalactic beings, and all will be one in the space it's a, garden. It was a, it's a, like a field or a meadow. There's a few cheetah in it. There's a hawk swooping down, and then there's an andalite in the uh, meadow as well. And I will even tell you just a little. I'll tell you the little uh, like is this an, sentence is this, on the front. is this an out of Africa book? The the little teaser sentence is Jake's not around. Who will take his place? Oh, no. I'm going to let you know these books always end on a downer. That's the most downer intro you've told me for another book. Now, I'm pretty sure they're going to find him. But that doesn't like, necessarily mean that Jake is dead or anything. He's just Jake not is dead. And I'm <laughs> a firm believer that you bury your dead. So this is going to be sad all around. I literally, it's so funny. If I tell you the first sentence on like the back book, uh, back of the book synopsis, it's just going to change. I'll tell you, I'll tell you. When Jake has to leave town for a family thing. Okay, it's much different. Okay. I wonder if they all like have need Jake's input so they run as cheetahs at 60 miles per hour to get to Jake no, as fast as No, I'm not going to tell you what the rest of that says because that'll, that'll be too much of a preview, but it should be a fun one. Well, we're not in the preview part of the show. We're in the end of the show. So, David, thank you so much for preparing this wonderful story to tell me. Yep. Now the ball's in my court to get sure some is. stories ready. Sure is. But I don't think it's happening this week. And it ain't no, and I, and I told you I was going to try to be productive. This one's not going up today. Hot dog! Then everybody will see you back when we get back from my <laughs> vacation. <laughs> which, which you'll be on when this episode goes up. Listen, we are sporadic at best with it's posting. Been, it's been chaotic. I I got sick, and then my outlet blew up, and then you're uh, on I, vacation. And uh, then... uh, my computer also broke. I had yep. to uh, – uh, I'm happy to get a new computer. That being said, boy, computers are expensive, David. You had to buy a new computer. I had to buy a yeah. new computer. Yeah. I like keep wanting to be like, my computer is fine. And it's like, oh, I want to kind of look at the new – what's new? What's out there? But I'm like, I don't even want to start looking at that because – my prediction is you will have a new computer by the beginning of next year. No, no, no. And not unless something happens to this one, I think, because I just spent a lot of money remaking my apartment space. And sure. So I need, I need to cool it on spending for now. Speaking of cooling, I can see the sweat stains are piling up under your arms. David sure needs AC and Mikey needs lunch. So thank you so much, you <laughs> kids and cats, for joining us for another wonder ep episode of Storytime. The one who is at one with his inner chi, ready to throw a kung fu punch. Well, that's David Miller. And the one with the most respect for the dead. Uh, and uh, is wanting me to make a comment about whatever shirt he's wearing. Which I was like wearing a man. Steve Zissou shirt while we were recording the C episode. It's a wonderful happenstance. Yeah, that's Michael Santel. Heck yeah, it is. Thank you so much. We'll see all you kids and cats next time. Don't forget to drink water and stay hydrated and maybe try some restraint fun. Okay, <laughs> bye. Negotiate beforehand. Have a safe word. That's our show, thanks for coming round Don't be sad, no need to frown We'll have more stories, don't throw a fit Goodbye one and all, and we'll see you in a bit I'm, I'm